Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Most roads are open and working. They're paved. They run electricity to my house. I have more than one television set. Many of us have more than one car. God's been good. God's been good. God's been good. God's been good. Nobody's dropping bombs right now. We do have a strong military. You hear what I'm saying? There is some order in the nation. Lord, we are thankful and we are grateful for what we do have. What I'd like you to do right now is grab hands now. And I want us to pray one for another as if you're the only one that's going to pray for that person on your right and left. Right now, pray for them. Pray, 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 pray. Lord, would you protect them this week? Lord, will you withhold them this week? Lord, will you help them maintain their convictions and courage this week? Lord, may they be full of your spirit, your guidance. May your hand rest upon them this week. Lord, the enemy come against them one way this week, but they will flee before them seven ways. This week they will possess the gates of their enemies. I release blessing, authority, and honor right now. In Jesus' name. And we all say amen and amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One thing about Grace Church is even if you don't like my preaching, you can't leave here without knowing the word. Matter of fact, if you don't like my preaching, I'm in the book, so you don't like the book. But that's another conversation. But today we are going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, a portion of scripture that many of us have probably never read before, but I alluded to it last Sunday. And uh, later in the week, I felt the Lord said, you need to really flesh that out and teach the people through that portion of scripture. So we're going to learn today about King Jehoshaphat, and uh, we're going to dig into the inspired text. Verse 1, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It happened after this. King Jehoshaphat had just had a near-death experience messing around with wicked King Ahab. And by the way, if you don't know who Ahab is, Ahab was Jezebel's husband. And they were in cahoots. You know, people talk about Jezebel, but You know, if you're not a weak man, they can't be a Jezebel. So, okay. Yeah, it is is right. (laughs) You see, diversity has its its value. But the core ride-or-die friendships that you have in life need to be with like-minded people. 
with similar values. Whenever I let the wrong people into my space, into my house, stuff always comes up missing. Stuff like joy. Stuff like peace. Like hope, integrity, godliness, encouragement. Whenever I let the wrong people into my space, I walk away the poorer. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat is one of Judah's most righteous kings. You know, if we had a list of great kings that came out of the people of Israel, you know, King David would be at the top of the list, but certainly Jehoshaphat would, would, would be in the, 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 the top five. His only problem was he didn't choose his friends wisely. How many of y'all had that problem? Don't raise your hand. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. This is the way the prophet put it in verse 2 of the same chapter. He said, he loved those who hated the Lord. Therefore, the displeasure or wrath of God is, was upon him. You see, we cannot change the people who are around us, but we can change the people we choose to be around. That's been going over the same way in each service. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude of confederacy of nations and peoples have gotten into agreement and they're coming against you to wipe you out from beyond the sea, speaking of the Dead Sea. And uh, actually it gives a location there in Hazazaran, Tamar, which is in the Engedi. This was a massive army no more than 15 minutes away from Jerusalem. And everybody in the kingdom, including the king, felt a little bit about like this, this photo we were about to show. The problem was, this was not some type of movie. It wasn't a video game. They were facing real death. They would shed real blood. And if they lost this battle, they would live in a lifetime of real slavery. It's a very, very serious moment. And Jehoshaphat feared. This was partly due to his human frailty, but I think it was mostly because of what the prophet had just prophesied. But here's what I know. No matter how far you have traveled down the wrong road, you can still turn around. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. You see, repentance is still a very important word, and we need to keep it in our spiritual vocabulary. All it means is that you have changed your mind so deeply that it's changed you. See, a lot of folk into the Christian hustle. Well, forgive me as I stab you. And then they criticize you for how long you hurt over the wound they put in you. No, the issue is not me, it's you need to repent. You need to have a, a sincere change of mind. 
I love you, but I won't trust you until you change. 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 3. Let me just read one more time, though. All repentance means is you have changed your mind so deeply that it has changed you. Stop crying them crocodile tears. Esau sought the blessing with many tears, but his heart wasn't right, and he never got it. All repentance is, is changing your mind so deeply that it changes you. And Jehoshaphat, verse 3, feared and set himself. Mama couldn't do it for him. Granddaddy couldn't do it for him. Bishop couldn't do it for him. This was only something he can do, and there are some things only you can do. Good to see And he set himself to seek the Lord. Now, it's common for both my wife and I, but when I do it, I like it. When she does it, it gets on my nerves to talk to each other from different rooms. So I'm in another part of the house, and she starts talking, and she, okay. I still got to go home. The point is, we'll get on the phone and talk to each other, all the rest, but when it's serious, but when it's serious, I make sure I get into her presence and see her face. And when it's serious, you don't want to be talking to God from the ends of the earth. When it's serious, you begin to seek his face. As great as church is, even church cannot substitute for personal and private face time with God. And sometimes, man, you need to see the look on his face. You need to see the inflection or hear it clearly in his voice. So, so he began to seek the Lord. He said, Lord, I'm going to come close. I'm not, I'm not going to do this from far away. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all, everybody. This is why we had a 21-day consecration for everybody. I'm going to lighten it a little bit next year because we're getting older. Okay. <laughs> so next year, we're going to lighten the load just a little bit. Just a little bit. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. This may surprise you, but in the Bible, individuals seldomly fasted. There are some exceptions. Typically in Scripture, fasts were community responses or, or to a national crisis or need. We see that throughout the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, we, we see when the, the, the prophets and the teachers at Antioch, they fasted and prayed, and then they, they all of them together, then they set out Saul. Also John's, uh, uh, Paul, uh, also John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus' disciples and said, well, why don't your disciples fast? And he said it in the plural. You see, all of John's disciples got together and they fasted about issues. And Jesus responded, said, well, you know, as long as the bridegroom is with them, there's no need to fast. But when the bridegroom is gone, 
That's when you begin to fast. And part of what Jesus was saying is, is one of the calls, or, or you know you need to fast when the presence of God seems far away. So when you, you don't hear the voice of the bridegroom, that's when you need to turn over your plate and, and begin to really, really seek his face. But the point was, he didn't just say you're a disciple, he said disciples, plural. Because fasting was typically done in community. And, and it says, he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And, and fasting is simply abstaining from anything, anything. That's why we did a little bit of television that might hinder us from complete focus on God. So Judah gathered together to ask for help from the Lord. You need to know where your help comes from. And the people came from all the city, all of them, of Judah, and they came to do exactly what the prophet asked to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he began to pray. And we're not going to read it here. We're going to look at it tonight. But he combined both prayer and fasting. Now, the lengths of our prayers or our fasting may vary. Sometimes it's just a meal or two. Sometimes it's a day. Uh, uh, it's up to you. But the bottom line is there, there are moments and seasons in our lives where we need to turn over our plates to seek the face of the Lord. Lord, I want you more than my belly wants the next meal. Lord, I want you more than the air I breathe. Lord, anything that would distract me, even my digestive system, I don't want no noise on the inside of me. I, I, don't, I don't want me, I don't even want to hear my, my, I don't want no burps. I don't want no, I, I, don't, I don't want to, to hear no bubbles. I don't want, no, Lord, I, I want to hear you. It's amazing when we uh, begin to humble our flesh, how much clearer the voice of God Becomes. Skip to 13. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. The king had done his part. The people had done their parts, obviously from the smallest to the greatest here. Now everyone was waiting to see what the Lord would do. Then out of the pregnant pause, out of the silence, not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but in the still, small voice. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. This man had a five-generation pedigree. We must be cautious about following leaders who have no roots in this book. See, a lot of your problem is you're more Republican and more Democrat than you are follower of Jesus. That's what's wrong with the country. Not, listen, there are 400 million people in this country. And we're going to blame the president. Who put the presidents, plural, this one and the last one in office? We did. If my people called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I hear from heaven and heal the land. 
The problem is not the government, it's the people. It's the people. I'm off, I'm way off. I'm about to step in something. My prayer every election season, Lord, don't give us the government we deserve. We get what we vote for. You know, later this year, I think I might even do a whole series on this. Because I think it's time. Because we're crazy. The church is sleeping. And that's why the nation's going right to hell. So I'm not going to teach you from a partisan lens. I'm going to teach you from the book. Okay? And we're going to make righteous decisions together to help change our communities and our nations. How about that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, verse somewhere, 15. The prophet said, listen, all you of Judah, that's why you need to be in church to hear, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you even King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. When I'm in a crisis, I don't need yet another opinion. In fact, everyone seems to, to, to have an opinion, especially those who shouldn't. When I'm in a crisis, I need to get around people who can hear from God, people that know the voice of Jesus in the midst of it. In fact, I don't want to go to the church where the people, the pastor just pull out his favorite message that he just got out of Time magazine. I need a pastor that's on his face listening to God about what the people need to hear. Not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. Preaching my stuff off. <laughs> Say, why are you getting mean? I'm hungry. <laughs> Give your pastor some food, he'd be sweeter. <laughs> we got a couple more hours. <laughs> the prophet said, Do not be afraid. This was not a suggestion or a question. He said, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For, you see, the prophet didn't deny the problem. He said, you got some great trouble just 15 minutes down the road. But what I do need to do is give you some perspective. For the battle is not yours, it's God's. So, again, he didn't deny how bad it was. He just reminded them that this is not about how strong you are, but about how strong your God is. You see, sometimes I get anxious and worried because, you know, I'm thinking about how strong I am. And that's my problem. That's why the Bible said, let us magnify the Lord together. Sometimes my problems seem to enlarge and my image of God begins to shrink. And I have to remind myself, and in my own mind, magnify the goodness and the strength and the power of God. It's not about me. It's about him. Because my God still knows how to knock a joker out. God knows. He still knows how to get a job done. He still knows how to bust a brother up. He knows how to do it in a way, by the way, he can't get arrested. 
God knows how to find everybody that needs to be found. He knows the right way to deal with them. He said, tomorrow go down against them. So first thing, a little perspective. The second thing he did was give them something to do. Don't miss this. God didn't say stay in Jerusalem and keep praying. It's a place for prayer. Everything starts with prayer. But don't stop there. To win this battle, they had to put sneakers on their faith and act. We plant seeds for our future by every action and every inaction. But these guys are about to to do some things and run to the battle. They will surely come up. Now, this is, by the way, he's still prophesying. This is not someone saying this in past tense. Actually, this is a word of knowledge. God is supernaturally letting them know where the enemy is going to be. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, meaning God told them exactly where the enemy was going to come. And this is why we prayer and fast, so God can tell us exactly where the enemy plans to show up next and get us ready. But then it adds, it says, and you shall find them. Notice God wanted the Israelites to find them and run to the battle and not from the battle. Sir and ma'am, God has not given you a spirit of fear. God wants you to walk toward that thing he's called you to face. And at the end, by the way, he gives some more details. Since we're not there, we're like, what's this wilderness of Jeril and all that? But, But the point is they understood it. And God will give you specific instructions. I I get tired of these people calling themselves prophetic and they give you these nebulous words. Oh, the sun is going to rise on you. Yeah. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.